Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and dear God, these are good beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading The Color Purple by by Alice Walker. Is this a patron book? No. No. There's a movie coming out. No. A movie, another movie of a musical. That's, I can't imagine the musical of this. Yeah, they're they're remaking this musical, and they're also making a Schindler's List musical right after that. That can't be good. What? No, you're making that up, right? So this is up, actually yeah. our Christmas episode. So, because this Yay. is a light, fun Christmas story, so I got a Christmas <laughs> beer because it's the week after Oct- it's the week after uh, Halloween. So now there are Christmas beers. So this is Gingerbread Fog by Abomination Brewing. Oh no! Oh, that doesn't sound good. This is a well. I'll find out. I did get a four pack. Okay, double dry hop, double IPA with spices. Doesn't say which ones. Bread? Ginger? Hmm. Mm, that's a good face. I smell a sponsorship deal coming. <laughs> Actually, it's mostly just IPA. It's only the tiny... It's mostly just 9% IPA and not really very spicy. Maybe there's a little spice in there. I mean, this is as fresh I could as I could possibly get it. I Straight from the ginger man's cock. <laughs> I literally just bought uh, it today. But- <laughs> I don't see a date, though. I find with most IPAs, if you can't taste the thing they added to it, that's usually for the best. Yeah, except mango. Uh, but it's... Maybe it's maybe there's something... It's almost like there's something sweet. Maybe vanilla? I don't know. But it's mostly just IPA. And you know what? It's pretty good. Well, you know it's not pretty good? Life for uh, the characters in this book. So, <laughs> Color Purple by Alice Walker came out in 1982. But takes place in the early, I don't know if it's really ever specified, but it's early 1900s, and it's somewhere in the south. I didn't know where. Georgia. But it's not Memphis, because they go there later. (laughs) Georgia. Okay, great. And it starts off, you know, like most holiday books do, with incestual rape. <laughs> and you're it's like, really wow. like the second sentence. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not a, a flowery, uh, delicate one that prepares you. But it's basically the king characters. I'm 14 years old, and God, please help me out. By the way, well, let me find the exact line because it's like Jesus Christ. Uh, you're gonna want to. You're gonna do what your mammy wouldn't. First, he put his thing up against my hip and sort of wiggle it around, which is my form of foreplay too. Um, then he grabbed hold my titties, then he pushed his thing inside my pussy. And you're like, wow, page one, bold. This is Boldness. because her mother has died and so he's like i guess i have to rape the kid then we will find out much later that their relationship is not quite that still bad still though, not great still <laughs> terrible no doubt and she does no doubt then about that. have a baby that he kills them she's just two yeah, she's right? two and he gives them away yeah he's like yep lost that one i don't know where i, went. I left it left it at the store i don't know it's gone now like, okay uh, but she has two kids w- with her father, um, and that's the beginning of the book. As a teenage girl, um, after losing her mother, on top of the already pretty difficult life of being, you know, a black person in the Jim Crow uh, South. I wonder what this musical is going to be like. Oof. It's a, it's a strong open for a musical. <laughs> yeah, the overture with just sounds of abuse. Yeah. Piped and, and harmonica. Which is the real abuse. Um, but then, uh, I'm still trying to, I know Nate's going to cut out all of my show tunes that are about this in Schindler's List. <laughs> okay. But I'll think of some more. I'm going I'm I'm to have to cut it. the Schindler's List ones. <laughs> so, eventually, uh, when she has a sister, whose name is Nettie, and uh, Nettie, short for Nettie Pot, and Celia is short for Celiacs, of course. Mm. Um, because they're like really, they're like gluten-free and new-agey. <laughs> Ahead of their time. But she has a sister, and they are, you know, their sister's very smart, and they're trying to um, get some sort of education. And then basically, uh, I forget the order, but like her sister gets like sent away or kicked out of the house. And I uh, exactly okay, so what happens is, is that Celie, she's now had two kids, but they've been, they've kind of disappeared. Or more like she's like uh, she says like the her father just like takes them and brings them somewhere and she thinks they're dead but 
You find out later that they're not. Then, and now she's probably 16 years old, you know, that she's had two kids, something like that. And the neighbor comes over. The neighbor who's just called Mr., not to be confused with the uh, E.L. James novel. The neighbor comes over, he's just called Mr., and he wants Nettie. He's like, I want to marry Nettie. Who is younger. Who is who is actually younger, yeah. And hasn't had children, we think. Yeah, probably, yeah, hasn't had any children. And uh, their father says no, but you can have Celie instead. And I'll throw in that cow she raised. <laughs> and he goes, uh, yeah, okay. Deal. Like, She's ugly, but she does a lot of work around the house. And he's like, yeah, I could use that. I've and got, she has a I've cow. got 45 kids. Since his wife mysteriously was murdered. Yeah, so he had four kids. So anyway, so she basically has to marry him. Although they didn't really marry so much as... It's a common law wife. Yeah. He's like, she's just going to live over here now with me. And she has to, even on her very fr- even on the day of her wedding, she's there really just to take care of the kids. Except oh, at night. And also, she is now sterile because of the abuse and the children she had at a young age, she cannot have children anymore. So he's like, you can do whatever you want to her, and you're not going to have any more kids to feed. Don't worry about that. And he's like, that's a pretty good deal. All the fun and none of the responsibility. I like yeah. this. And at this point, you're like, wow, this only, only really can go up from here, right? In this book, <laughs> at the end of chapter one, maybe and two. This is where the musical, they start playing the song, Bummer Time. <laughs> Or the living ain't easy. (laughs) (laughs) It is not. So this is, in fact, an epistolary novel. Not usually a fan. Uh, Epistolary novel, meaning it's all just a series of letters. There are 90 letters, and and most of them are Seely writing, but like writing to just somebody. Mostly it's to God. The working title was Dear God, It's Me, (laughs) Seely. And so... Uh, that's most of it. Although later you get you get letters from Nettie, although not till much later. Um, so all right, Nettie runs away from their father because and then stays with Celie for but only for a little while because then Mister is going to is making eyes at her too. So Celie tells her, "You need to get away. Why don't you go ask to be a? Why don't you go see if that." one sort of well-to-do black couple in town will hire you as their maid. And Nettie, like, literally leaves during the night and is not heard from for a very long time. Meanwhile, uh, Celie is now, like, the mother of these, like, four kids, and the oldest one, named Harpo, like, really, like, really doesn't like her, at least at first, because he misses his mother, the one that his father killed when she tried to leave. He, she, uh, her mother tried to take it. So when he was like a, still a very young child, tried to take him and tried to take, take him and just leave, uh, leave Mr. Whatever his name is, though you find out later it's Albert. And he just calls him shoots Mr. Her. Blank the whole book for the most part. Yep. And he shoots and kills her and takes the child back. Which has got to be the start of many, many blues songs. <laughs> All of them. It's Hey Joe. <laughs> he just acts it out. <laughs> Shot my woman down. And uh, he's, he's, a, he's a real bastard of a husband. Um, he's physically, verbally, and emotionally abusive. Oh, that's where the next song comes in. Yeah. Some Enchanted Beating. <laughs> That's uh, where this beer comes in, and I feel pretty bad about it, but it was literally the only beer I could relate in the entire store to this, and I looked really hard for any other choice, but this beer is called Slapasaurus. (laughs) I tried so hard to find anything else, and there was just nothing. Uh, This is from Really? I I managed to find something that won't get cut. (laughs) Just... (laughs) I'm saving my cuts for other places. <laughs> this is from Three Floyds, and it's a double IPA, and 9.9%. Oh, God. I think that beer also describes Jimmy's bass playing. Yes. <laughs> Slap Poorly. bass being the worst part, worst type of bass in the public's opinion. This is pretty good. 
It does taste like a 10% alcohol drink, though. Uh, but I like it. It's got some pizzazz. Oh, God, there's a dinosaur playing bass on the fucking picture. Well, that's I, why you picked it. it. Had to. Don't even, lie. I didn't even look at the picture. I just <laughs> Don't saw lie, the name Jamie. and it's like, <laughs> oh, God, I have to pick this one. Fuck. Once Jimmy stopped masturbating to the dinosaur playing bass, he's like, oh, I need to find beer today, don't I? <laughs> they didn't even really finish. They kicked him ahead of three stores before he could finally rub it all the way out. Slapping my saurus. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty bleak life for her as she raises four children that are not hers, one of which is not too much younger than her. Are you, you um, going to get that close to saying a show tune and just let it go? Would you say it's a hard knock life for them? Oh, God. <laughs> Instead of yeah. kisses, she gets kicked. Isn't that pretty accurate? <laughs> she <laughs> does get pretty kicked. spot on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, looking at the poster for the movie, it looks really happy. It's like, did they read this fucking book? I hope they use the song from Avenue Q, Everyone's a Little Bit Racist, because <laughs> that also could apply to this book. Only, everyone's a lot a bit racist. <laughs> it's like 1908 Georgia. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't call me to help with this musical. I clearly have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, everything sucks. And Harpo then has a girlfriend who is named Sophia. And Sophia, like they're, they're trying to do the, he's trying to court her. He's like, I would like to marry your daughter. And everyone's like, fuck you, you suck. And well, then, they hate him because his dad killed his mom. And they're like, yeah, no, that the bad thing to get involved in, which is fair. But then very quickly realize she is pregnant as shit. Well, he, they knock her up. He knocks her up so that they can get married. He's and like, also well, he's a teenage they, boy. They won't let me do it, so I'll just get her pregnant. Then they've got to. And he's like, and she's can't like, 15. fight that logic. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is Sophie. And she's like 15, and he's like, you know, 16. And he's like, we're. We should get married. And the father is like, no. <laughs> but then they do. And they have, a, a, at first, possibly the best marriage in all of uh, 1908 Georgia for like a little bit. But then he doesn't beat her. But then he's like, why doesn't she fucking listen to me all the time? And Seely, who gets beat all the time, is so, she's like envious of that. So Sophia is um, confident and doesn't. You know, doesn't doesn't give a shit what everyone says. She does her own thing. Is she the one, by the way, that they refer to her as coming from a family of Amazons? <laughs> there was like it's mentioned a couple times. Like someone has a bunch of big sisters, and they call them Amazons. I think it's Sophie. That they're all I think solid so. folk, so they ain't gonna take a smackling, you know, easily. Yeah, because when he does start beating her, she beats the fuck out of him. She beats equally. him nearly to death. Like when they come <laughs> into the house, it looks like a hurricane went through there. Followed by a small fleet of Tasmanian devils. Yeah. She has been breaking... It's like a wrestling match. She's been breaking chairs over him and shit. And she's like, how, how dare you? <laughs> he's, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I have bit off way more than I could chew right now. Um, but, you know, I, I want to drink this beer really bad, but I can't do it yet. Um, so then she beats the shit back out of him, or beats the sh- he beat he tries to beat the shit out of her, she and then beat, she beats, beats the, the shit. shit into him. Yeah, and then back out. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a Lincoln Logs type situation. She says, "I had to growing up. I had to fight my brothers. I had to fight my cousins. I had to fight my uncles. Like I just had to fight everybody. I'm good at this. I'm better at this than you are." You got a I sweet had to fight hook. my uncles is a hell of a story. Growing up, yeah, that's. <laughs> You know, I had to fight my uncles. That's not even like my siblings, or not even your dad. Like my uncles came over to beat me up, and I fought back. <laughs> Got to respect that. <laughs> yeah, I had to fight my uncles is the name of a, a, a memoir. Even I would not be able to resist reading. I <laughs> get <laughs> <laughs> like the picture of the least interesting. So it was like the John but, Hader story. I was I was thinking John Tesh, but yeah, John Tesh or whatever that guy's name was. John but, Tesh, yeah. <laughs> They wouldn't let me listen to my classical music at home, so I fought them off. <laughs> but if you imagine it was, uh, who would be a good one? Fucking David Hyde Pierce's memoir, They Made Me Fight My Uncles. <laughs> like, really? That guy? A collection of short stories. <laughs> Remembrances and Fantasies by David Hyde Pierce. 
So that was a very funny scene in a very bleak book. And somewhere around but uh, around here, oh yeah, Sophia's like, "What the fuck was that, Seely?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, my bad. Clear, I really underestimated you. I thought that you would just take that shit, and then you know I'd feel better about myself. But I feel really bad. Uh, also, I am the victim of horrific abuse. And Sophia's like, "All right, I guess I I don't need to also beat you up then." And she feels bad for her. And then somewhere around here is when we meet Shug. Who the is legend of Shug. The, the legend of Shug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, at first, it's just like, she saw a picture, uh, Seely sees a picture of her in a, in a, some kind of pamphlet or it's like a pass around notice. Postcard or something. Postcard. Yeah. And she's just like, ooh, that is a hot lady. But, you know, to her, she was practically uh, asexual at this point in her life because all she's ever known is rape. Uh, she doesn't understand that, you know, she's like, Ooh, that's a hot lady. She's just like, what is that? That is, I've never seen anything, seen anyone like this. And so she's very into it. But Mr. Blank, uh, is also a big fan. And Suge is like a traveling song woman. I don't know what, I don't know what the, what it was called. Just like she's a, a jazz singer, jazz singer, chanteuse, <laughs> chanteuse. Yes. And she's a independent, you know, take care of herself, black lady walking around, which is probably took took chutzpah. Yeah, she to, had big brass ones. Yeah, to just uh, be traveling the south, singing at uh, juke joints, as they called them. And but she's ill, and I don't really know what she was ill with. But uh, she was ill with being alive in the nineteen tens. Yeah, it's some, you know, flyborne illness. The consumption. Just a really bad hangover. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking from all that moonshine. (laughs) It did sound like that. She's just like laying in bed being a dick to everyone. She kind of sounded like the possessed girl in The Exorcist. (laughs) She's just in bed vomiting like, fuck you. (laughs) And they're like, oh man, she's so hot. And uh, this probably is the 1920s at this point, so... Yeah, there's big Pro- jumps She's in She's both time. a jazz singer and drinking a lot of moonshine. I mean, there are... At Harpo's have, place. Well, he hasn't opened it yet. He hasn't built the juke joint yet. Out of, out of busted up chiffa robes, which that word is said multiple times in this book, and I was really hoping for a crossover with To Kill a Mockingbird. So that's the only other time in the world you see the word chiffa robe. Like one of them was like, and this is my son, Tom Robinson, or whatever his name was. <laughs> I get it. It's an Easter egg. There really aren't that many white characters in this book. There's like some people. No, almost uh, done. It was hard to tell. There's a part where Squeak, is it Squeak, goes to the prison and talks to the warden guy. Wasn't he like white? No. The, oh, um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There, there's some like, there's like tertiary and quaternary. Is that the word? I don't know. <laughs> characters who are interact with it. But all, all of the main characters are black and generally just all the stories involved in this are exclusively black. So racism is definitely a part of it, but there's not a lot of that. Definitely no Tom Robinson. No boo. Shucks. There are some Schiffer robes, though. But there um, are Schiffer robes, yes. <laughs> Intact ones, though. So then um, some, everyone's like mad at Suge, but she's just so hot and sassy that she just does whatever the fuck she wants. And she eventually and she becomes used friendly. To she used to be banging Mr. Blank back in the day, and he was still in love with her. Always was, never wouldn't be. And, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't really affect Celine anyway because they, they, they are quote-unquote married, but there's, it's purely a marriage. It's a domestic child convenience. care situation. She is, she's basically a, a maid. There, there's a marriage of inconvenience. Yes, <laughs> it's, definitely it for It sucks her. for everybody. Yeah. So... They're all like living in the house at this point. It's like kind of weird, but like they all live together because Harpo and Sophia and their growing, you know, number of their growing family. And they eventually, Sophia leaves because she's like, Harpo's a bitch who goes through a weird eating disorder phase where he just eats <laughs> a lot and everyone makes fun of him. Yeah. And then, and then he's like, he's like bulimic. <laughs> he's binging. Yeah. And he also throws it all up. So, like, huh. He's just he's just binging and purging of like down south juke joint food, which could not have been good. 
it must have been some intense like biscuits and gravy or some shit like eating more than three of those you want to you need not you need insulin there's just no way to not <laughs> you lose toes and shit mid-meal but he, he that that happens and in the heart and sophia's like fuck this guy he's a bitch i'm out of here and she takes the kids and he's like i think i will make a bar as any you know man would in I'll that make situation. my house into a bar that is man logic yeah it's like well I'll never have to drive home <laughs> there that, is no last yeah. call and Let's uh, just they, have everybody come over here instead. That's been my goal always. That I hate going places. Like I'll just, you could just come here. <laughs> they serve us beer there, and I'm gonna drink a beer. I, I realized I could have put this. There were like seven different points where I could have said this beer because I picked something not offensive, Jimmy. Um, I know. But they they live on a farm, and it never really says what they grow. But they could grow broccoli. <laughs> and there's also a part much later in the book. Where Suge is kind of out of shape and old, and she gets like bloated and gassy. That could also have been from broccoli. Yeah, well, this is this is broccoli from other half. <laughs> hmm. Man, I'll tell you, I bought this on the way home, and it was all I could do to not drink this on the train coming home. But I remember your guys' story of seeing the belligerently drunk woman on, get arrested the other day on the train. I'm like, I don't need to be that guy. It is. A, it is. A she Thursday. had been drinking for hours. Possibly days before then, so she's a champion. Mm, she was sober for a year and a half, according collectively to her. over. Yes. Her. <laughs> she had up all the minutes. Personal best. Um, okay, so so Harpo goes to build a new bar, or turn his house <laughs> into a bar, which sounds awesome. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. Um, and Shug is going to perform. Like first, like nobody shows up, and then all of a sudden, it's a hop in place, and eventually, Sophia returns. With her new boyfriend, who I don't know if he even fucking gets a name. He's just like the boxer or the prize fighter or something like that. And uh, she's like, fuck, you know, whatever. You, Who's your new girlfriend? And the new girlfriend for Harpo is someone named Squeak. <laughs> and uh, everyone everyone treats this poor woman like shit. Because she's like a small, quiet. Except the prize fighter. He's, he's respectful. Why, did he bang her? Did I miss that? Did he fuck Yeah, they run off together. Oh, well, not at this point, though. Yeah. Right? <laughs> At this point, she gets into a fight with Sophia, who like knocks half of her teeth out of her mouth. <laughs> She's like, like smacks her just one time and has teeth sticking into her hand practically. Yeah, from beating the shit out of this little person. Meanwhile, back home though, uh, Suge and, and uh, Celie are getting to be good friends, and Suge is showing her how, her how her lady bits work. Oh man, this is where I thought they were gonna. The title was gonna come up. Because <laughs> she's like, don't you ever see what your pussy looks like? And she's like, no, I've never, I've never looked at it. And she's like, just p- fucking go stand over a mirror <laughs> and look at that shit. And I really thought, wow, it is the color purple. Uh, but um, she is impressed by the amount of hair <laughs> and that she learns she has a little button that can be pressed. The magic button, yeah. And true to form, her husband has never found that button. <laughs> <laughs> he was never really looking. He was never looking, but it is a myth. So <laughs> I don't need to look for Sasquatch to know you won't find him. He's not a believer. Uh, and then she she learns the joys of jilling. Yeah, yeah. And then and then there's a lot of like weird descriptions of of rubbing uh rubbing vaginas and titties. <laughs> and then I forget what did we read recently? Was it Hellraiser? <laughs> like this was the horniest book ever. This it was close in its jarring horny passages. Or it goes yeah. from horrendous abuse, and then it's like just a whole chapter talking about talking about this other lady's tits and how great they are. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was her oh. first time, so you know, like any kid would, she wrote, she wrote in her journal about that shit immediately. <laughs> like, you will not believe what happened today. They were the tits. It was <laughs> so good. <laughs> I finally understand what that expression means. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> But they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't have any relations yet. The sapphic love waits a little longer. But you know it's coming, as is Celie because she's just rubbing it out furiously. Yeah. And then uh, somehow, like Sophie Sophia gets in is in trouble. Yeah. She's walking down the street, uh, and oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a white lady and the man, and she's like, "I need a. I don't know how it came to this point, but she wanted to know if the." woman would be if 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 sophia would be her maid 
That was pretty much the opener. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you want to be was my just, maid? It was just out of nowhere. It's like, you, you should be my maid. And uh, hijinks ensue, and Sophia punches out her husband, who is the mayor. She smacks the wife, and then the mayor tries to intervene, and she starts kicking his ass. Yeah. She beats the shit out of him. And so she goes to jail for 12 years, or is sentenced for 12 years. And she's in there for a while. But the warden is Squeak's uncle. So they say, you know, she loves it in jail. So the way to punish her... This would, is their plan, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's Sophia, <laughs> love, we, we're going to go tell. They use we're going to psychology. And, I mean, dress Squeak up and send her over to the warden and say, oh, just so you know, Sophia loves it here. This is amazing. You know what? What she would actually really hate if she had to go be that those people's maids, the maid for the mayor. This was a time in America where they still had sitcom justice. <laughs> you could <laughs> sentence someone to be someone else's maid. I think you still can do that. They just don't. But I think technically, I can't imagine that there's like a there's a statute on the books. It's like, well, technically in Iowa, you can be sentenced to be someone's valet. There's <laughs> there's a list out there of like creative punishments where the judge makes the person do something other than jail. Usually it's not for like a serious, like not for murder or something, but instead of like sending someone for a few months to jail for some bullshit, he's just like, you got to do this crazy other thing instead. And it's usually like, yeah, like go fight in Vietnam. (laughs) That is also something. Yes. (laughs) Well, it works though. I believe the warden also uh, abuses squeak. Yes. Even though uh, he is her uncle, he does rape her. And everyone is just like, wow, shit, didn't see that coming. All right. And they never really processed that. She went to go ask a favor for her dude's ex-wife. So she's having a bad day. Yeah. And she really, she wasn't interested in the plan. She wasn't too into it. And they make her do it. That was pretty awful. But it works. Mm. Sophia then gets sentenced to 12 years of domestic labor. Also, she had been, you know, had the living shit beaten out of her in the prison. They describe her. She sounds like she's a swollen sausage casing of a person. Yeah. She's like covered in bruises. So he's like, you know, who knows what else happened to her there too, because justice was served. So, so many things happen. Okay. So eventually Suge is there and Suge is like, it's like, hey, you know, I noticed that Mr. Your vagina. When, when he went, no, when he went down to the mailbox, that he he didn't, instead of taking the entire stack of mail back, he, back to the house, he took one and put it in his pocket and he walked around with it in his coat all day. Don't they get sex first? Definitely. Yeah. I remember well, masturbating comes back with scene on the train. She comes back with her new husband, and that makes both Mr. Blank and Celie very sad. But There's a weird she, type of cucking going on yeah, now. She, she starts to bang Celie anyway. And this is where they hatch this, where Sugar starts to like, hey, I've seen him with these letters. But there's a sex quote I, I highlighted because it was amazing. A sex quote. A sex quote. A sexy times quote. And it's when Celie and Sugar not making any effort to hide the fact that they're banging all the time. And she says, oh, this is so great. It's warm and sleeping with Suge. It's warm and cushiony. And I feel Suge's big tits sort of flop over my arms like suds, <laughs> which is an image. And I think she was the first author to describe getting a, a pressure cuff job. Which is when you wrap an old saggy tit around your penis like a blood pressure cuff. You know, you could see it, Nate, right? <laughs> no? Jimmy, you never I've hear got, blood pressure? I've got logistics questions, but... You no, know, you got to find... It's not everyone... It is, a, it is a rare skill. But that happens. That was reading this book. I was like, this is a fucking like, serious book. Oprah was in this movie. And they're talking about saggy lady Oprah boobs. Oprah was in this movie. She played... Uh, Sophia... I think. Seely. No, Whoopi Goldberg was Seely. You're right. Whoopi Goldberg was Seely and I don't know who played show. Oprah was was Sophia. But they I don't see have, Oprah being able to punch someone out, but I guess it's possible. She's like, and you get a punch. <laughs> and you get a punch. <laughs> Check under your chin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I can see it, yeah. <laughs> so after so then they find the letters after the blood pressure cuff job, then they get 
the letters. So after the color purple, and that did well, they Oprah was like, what should we do next? And then they tried to do Beloved with pretty much the same cast. Not, it was not a good movie. <laughs> I didn't actually see the uh, Beloved movie. But it's, I think it's yeah. too weird to be a movie. Oh, yeah. Danny Glover is uh, the mister. Yeah. Even then, he was too old for this shit. I just remember, I never saw The Color Purple, but I remember like one four-second scene of him talking to his child bride and having him having her shave him with like a straight razor. And he says, if you cut me, I'll kill you. It's like, I don't want to watch this movie ever. Well, there is a later on when Seal is like, I'm going to fucking kill this motherfucker. She's like, oh, I shave him. This is where I can cut his throat. And you were really hoping it would happen. So Celie finds all these letters that her sister has been sending for years. Like decades. Because this has now been at least 10 years, probably, that, she, that her sister's been gone. Maybe more than that. And she gets all these letters, and the letters are like, okay, so I'm the maid for this. You were the one prominent black couple. And he's, uh, they're going to be missionaries, and I'm going to go with them. And so she goes off to Africa with them to be missionaries. And then she, and then she sends a lot of, you know, uh, you know, every other letter or, you know, every few letters now for the next, like, most of the book is Nettie talking about what it's like in Africa. And at first she's like, hey, this is kind of cool being over here in Africa. And we're out in this village and we're trying to help them out. And then she has this story about how the road is built over to the village. They act out, things fall apart. (laughs) Actually, it is quite similar. Um, The road is built to the village, and at first the villagers are like, oh, it's so great, there's going to be a a road, and they're like bringing food to the... Not only to the the road, but... (laughs) Well, yeah, and then... And then all the guys the building it are ramp? like, they hold a party. They hold a big, you know, celebration or party when the road makes it to the village. And like, oh, thank you. I have all this food and all this stuff. And then the next day, the, the road guys are like, hey, thanks. And then they just keep building. And they build the road through the village, meaning they plow through the fields, through, they knocked over the houses. The schoolhouse. <laughs> they Robert moses this village. <laughs> yeah, they did. Before it was cool. They BQE'd oh, that, that village. <laughs> so, yeah. and then um, the chief or whoever it is of the village uh, goes over to the government. And they're in basically in Congo, somewhere in West Africa. Uh, they go over to the, uh, it goes, the chief goes over to the capital and finds out that all of the land has been sold off to like a British company. A, and now a rubber tree company, rubber yeah, company? like rubber, like to 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 mine, not to mine rubber, to like harvest rubber, which is important. I mean, rubber is a very important commodity. Um, and they have to—is it like rent their own land or something like that? Because they, they don't own it anymore. They they own taxes on their own stuff, and they can be booted off at any time, which and, happens and later. Be, yeah. yeah. But then, oh, two. But then the prominent couple, they actually the, the so the black couple that Nettie has been working for, I forget their names. But they've adopted Samuel? these. But they've adopted two kids, two two black kids. Those are Seely's children. Small world. Yeah, small town. Named named, yeah. Uh, named Olivia and something. Uh, uh, Newton John. <laughs> Olivia and Newton and John. Yeah, there we go. The triplets. What were their names? Uh, uh, no, Samuel's the... And I think... Sam is the dad. Corinne is the wife? Yes. And yeah, Olivia is the daughter. She's the only one that had a, like a name earlier in the book. When there's the scene where, where Celie sees her kid with the other woman in town when they're like buying gingham or whatever people did at, at general stores in those days. And 19 oh, yards of flax. I need to make a new dress. Uh, time to go buy a yard, a, a bolt of muslin cloth. <laughs> so you knew that that was her daughter with this person, and the woman just kind of ignored them. Adam, that's the kid's name. It doesn't mm. matter. I don't know why I cared. But they're there doing the, uh, the missionary work, the missionary position, of course. And um, it's boring. <laughs> Much so, I mean, she she believed uh, Corinne... Uh, for some reason, she believes that Nettie is the mother of these kids, 
Well, they bear more than a passing resemblance. And that her husband had like had an affair. She's like, no, we met like after these kids existed. She's like, she kind of only cares about that when she's dying of like dengue fever or whatever the fuck it is killed her. Yeah. She's like dying and losing her mind. And then she, I mean, she may have been harboring these fears, but they only matter at the end of her life. Well, that's the only time we ever hear much from her at all. And then they do the infallible test of looking at Nettie's stomach, for looking for stretch marks. Let's see. <laughs> Did she have a kid or not? Like, they're clearly not into snapback or whatever the fuck culture that Instagram women, uh, Instagram influencers pressure other women to do. Was that just Photoshop? No, like you, like you snap back after having a kid, you know, like you... Your body gets fucked up from, you know, carrying a child, but then you get back into being really in shape. Yeah, snap back, you know? It's a dick okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. Sure. See, yeah, that's not, that's not men doing that to you. That's other women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Because there are men who'd be like, ooh, pregnant lady, that's really hot. And those guys are creepy. But, <laughs> like, no, no. Snap it right where it is. Ugh. Ugh. But then they look at her stomach, and then they have to explain to Samuel, like, fucking women's bellies get big when they have children, you dumb idiot. And he's like, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. He is a missionary. I have heard about that. Uh, but then, uh, very quickly, um, the fuck's her name? Corinne dies. Oh, yeah. She's like, I believe you. And then she dies. <laughs> and then she marries Sam. But, you know, because oh, we get these letters... Celia is reading Weird her letters bursts. as they, uh, you know, she got them all at once, like, you know, 20, 30 years of letters. So we're getting them in bursts. It's like, oh, she just died. It's like, and now I'm married to Sam. It has been two years. And it's like, oh, okay, some shit. But well, because Nettie yeah. stops sending letters all the time, she just sends like a because she's Easter not getting anything back. Christmas letter. So she's only sending two letters a year. Also, the postage from Africa is insane. Insane. Must be. They're like that's so many stamps. stamps. That's like that's like two books of stamps. Like the stamps on both sides of the envelope. <laughs> it's just the the envelope is made of stamps. <laughs> you have to like fold down the envelope to see more stamps behind <laughs> that sheet. <laughs> stamps <It's>, page two. <laughs> <laughs> but I do Inside like that. the envelope are, are multiple other unused books of stamps. Just sell these again. It's okay. Just, just in case there aren't enough, just open the envelope in case of emergency, take more stamps. <laughs> but I, I like that uh, when they find it, and I guess it was Nettie, uh, Shug, it's like, would you, would you know if someone coming from a place with weird stamps? There's like coconuts and shit on these things. Well, <laughs> <laughs> wow, those sound exotic. And they are stamps from Liberia or whatever. Apparently they had coconuts on them. Um, Real thing in the book. Oh, yeah. They, were they in Liberia? Mm-hmm. Liberia, yeah. yeah. They do yeah. go to Liberia at one point and find that there, Liberia, right, the country founded by former slaves. Slaves who went back. Founded for former slaves as yeah. a place to send them. But the people who are in charge are like a lot of, you know, uh, she says something like, I forget how it's worded. But like they're like they're white guys that could pass for black. I think is how she describes them. Well, what happens in Liberia is a bunch of the former slaves go there, and then they start making slaves out of the native people there and running their own plantations, yeah. America style. It's like, wow, this is there's just really no good end to this, is there? Was that the one with the, with the general butt naked guy? <laughs> that that was and, yes. So you too and, have seen. The Vice video called "Cannibal Warlords of Liberia." I have not seen the video, but but I did. I did read an article about it where they like tortured and ate, uh, killed and ate part of the duly elected president. (laughs) Yep, and videotaped it. (laughs) But General Butt Naked is a name you never forget. Sad place. Only country in the world besides the United States of America to have a capital named after a U.S. president. Monrovia. Monrovia. Yeah. yeah. Excellent, excellent trivia question. <laughs> anyway, it sucks there. It's really sad. People are taking their shit, and she's trying to teach the young girls like anything at all, and everyone's like, no, a, girl, a woman's value is only if her husband has value. Duh. So there's all the culture shock kind of stuff, and I think, you know, that must have been a thing for the, you know, 
free blacks who somehow went to Africa and realized, well, we don't really belong here either. You know, like we get treated like shit throughout most of America. But there's no Africa to return to that we would recognize. So that must have been a really challenging thing for her. And it happens to be a time when they're being just turned into, you know, a river plantation. But she marries she marries that guy. What's his name? Samuel. Samuel. And uh, they have sex. They don't tell you which position, but you know which one it is. <laughs> Wheelbarrow. Anal. <laughs> a lot of anal. <laughs> He's... They're in the clergy. Uh, <laughs> he pulls this paint. He pulls his dong. And he's like, "Oh, look at the head of it. It's the color purple. Oh, it's so big." But then, Celie sends. Celie receives, or you know, has already received long ago, but is now reading another letter from Nettie, where she's like, "By the way, I figured out some crazy shit. That guy who was our dad when we were kids." He wasn't really our dad. And then she gives a long explanation, and I don't remember any of it, and I found it really complicated when I read it the first time. So the real dad was a was a, a black man who owned the general store that was lynched by some white people for being too successful. Yes. That then never happened. Ever. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> it would never happen. Why would they stifle black industry like that? This sounds like something they wouldn't allow to be taught in Florida. Well, it never happened in Florida on a Thursday <laughs> in <This> March <laughs> of 2018. <laughs> so it never happened. Yeah. And their mother like went crazy and died. And that's why the guy who she who Celie thought was their father was actually like taking care of them. Because he's pretty much not inherited all of the stuff, but he just kind of like moved in and was like, it's mine now. Uh, I believe he used only... the, it was the Napoleonic legal code of where he called dibs on it. Pretty he much. manifested <laughs> destiny. He may have. That's right. That's what it is. And then when he dies, that they... Well, he's, he's not dead. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, he dies. Yeah, he dies. And then, and they and read the will. Uh, Sophie, Sophia goes over and reads the will. Uh, it's something well, to the will reading. It turns out... That uh, Celie and her sister owned the whole thing that was left to them in the will of their father. Only they didn't know. But that doesn't happen until the very end because yeah, she that's when she she decides Mis- to go back. Mister has taken it, hasn't he? Isn't he the one that owns it? Mister no. is living on the land, like the Who land is like owns a vast thing? amount. Who's of like land? running that store? Someone's running it. They hire a white guy to or is it Mister's dad? It. No, it's 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 Sophie. It's uh, sorry, not Sophie. It's Nettie and Celie's stepdad, who they thought was their real dad. Oh, right, he hasn't he hasn't died yet, right? He's still alive, living on it, right? Yeah, but up. in in the before they get to that point, uh, Celie decides at a big dinner. She's like, you know what? Fuck this! I'm leaving. I'm going with Suge. We're gonna go to Lilith Fair. And then we're going to move in together back in uh, Nashville, or I think it was, wherever, wherever uh, Suge had some I fucking, think it like, was Memphis. mansion, like, that she lived in. Like, I a state. She, her house looked like a barn, but instead of places to keep hay, it was rooms. That's what this says in the book. <laughs> was it, so, it was in Memphis, so it was Graceland? It, it basically might have been fucking Graceland. It was, like, it was a huge place that she had that she just never was at because she was always touring. But then Shug is like, I'm leaving, and Mr. Blank, which at some point she, someone says, like, what will Albert think? She's like, who's Albert? It's like, your husband. It's like, oh, I didn't know his first name. Or uh, his last name, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she just calls him Mr. And uh, so she moves in to the mansion, and they have a rollicking old time, you know, doing stuff. Making and lots she's like, of pants. I need Make something to do with my life. Pants. I can't just live off of you all the time, Suge. I need something to do. She's like, better start making pants. <laughs> and so she becomes a pants mogul. We make quite a pair of pants. <laughs> yeah. that's re- I, like It sounds ridiculous, and it is, but that is what happens. She's like, I just... I'm really good at making pants. Like, can you make a shirt? No. Um, <laughs> so she becomes a designer and starts designing 
nice pants and they hire women to come in and like sew pants of her designs. She's not doing the sewing no more. She's just well, a no, pants Well, now designer. that she's grinded so long in the pants game, she can kind of slack off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she could she, slack make pants the name. pants <laughs> off of some pants. No, uh, doesn't matter. But yeah, so she becomes, uh, you know, the J crew of <laughs> pants for black women in the South, and uh, which is the opposite of J crew in every way. Uh, <laughs> and then they get a they get a letter, and it's like Sophia's mom died. Let's go back home, and let's all learn how to smoke weed. <laughs> Yeah, that was really random. <laughs> what like, is weed? I don't know, but I'm gonna smoke the fuck out of it. The, the, pri- the prize fighter, uh, you know, Suge's husband, has been just growing weed because it was legal back then, and so he just has a lot of weed. And so they teach him how to smoke weed at like after the funeral. And you're like, this book has taken a few turns at this point. I'm a, I'm a little confused. wild journey. Like, I, I like, thought I was high reading it's like, it. Am I fucking high too? What's going on? <laughs> and also at this point, he's banging Squeak because she's left with them because she's tired of... Harpo sucks, so she left. Um, well, one of the yeah. strands of weed that the guy's growing, I need a name for this. It's uh, something something haze. And like, well, what... What color is it? Is it the color purple? And then that shouldn't that should have been in the book. It wasn't, but it should have been. <laughs> it's like no, it's uh, it's green, like all weed. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, but then, but then Pa dies, and like she gets she and Nettie, you know, quote Nettie in absentia inherit everything. So she's riding high in her pants mountain, uh, <laughs> not like in the land. And she becomes like friends with her husband, Mr. Blank, Albert. And they just sit on a porch and reminisce about all the times he raped her. Or just really they just reminisce about like how much they both love Suge. Because Suge has now found some young man candy. Even though she's in her 60s at this point, she found some 19-year-old to uh, you know bang her out. Suge just um, has charisma and it just... Yeah. Draws people to her. She she is she's a performer. She's a performer, and you know she probably looked good for sixty, uh, because of all the drinking. Yeah, that that really helps preserve you. Yeah, the alcoholism Pickled, pickles, pickles you. It's the rosacea that gives you that cherubic look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but also there's a long passage. Or, uh, you know, where Suge explains God <laughs> to Celie. Yeah. And she's like, God, and, and Celie's like, God's a piece of shit. He sucks ass. Look what he did. And she's like, don't think of it like God is a guy. Think of God as an it. It's a thing. And she's like, oh, that makes me feel so much better, actually. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> Still, either way. But I forget. I forget now. That's where the title of the book comes from. Is that speech? It's like imagine passing a field that's the color purple, and you're like, "That fucking yeah." Purple flowers exist, therefore God is really nice to us. Sorry about all the rape. This is this is stoners talking. I mean, they might have been experimenting to talk about that. The reefer, as they call it. No, none of the madness though. They were immune. No madness. No. And then, uh, then it cuts back and forth where you get more of the stuff happening in Africa. And um, there's another little bright African girl who's Tashi. And uh, and then, uh, what's his name? The little boy. He's not a little boy anymore. Adam. He's a man. Adam marries her. And then they cut off her clitoris because, you know, you got to do that. Yeah, they See, do, yeah. It's the only way. You got to take away the button because, you know, that's how you control them. And then they also cut up her face. I forget what it was exactly. They do some, like, tribal ritual scarification. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I'll I'll do that part too. And she's like, what about the cutting off the cock part? He's like, you know what? I think the face is enough. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed he didn't volunteer for that part. It's more of a gesture in good faith. Yeah. Well, you know, we need that part. That's that, no one's gonna no one's gonna mind if I keep this thing. Yeah, 
I need, I need it. Um, but that's yep. so, you know, because he didn't want her to feel left out because they're going to bring her back to America. But in the meantime, they're like, you know, Celia's like, oh, man, they're coming back to America. But also, I got this letter saying that the Germans sunk their boat. Unrestricted submarine warfare. Damn what U-boats. timing. Damn U-boats, got them. Ducious ex machina <laughs> kills the characters right at the end of the book. Or does it? No, oh, yeah. it Ooh. Because it because like you find out right away that no, <laughs> she made it and she comes back and he's like, you're back. We have a lot of land. You look nice. I have a lot of pants. Do you like pants? <laughs> but also she, she, so Nettie also brings back Celie's children who she has not seen in 30 years. Yeah. So glad that you're not incest babies. Just, you know, that would have been really bad. That Thank is, goodness, that that is nice. But then, and Celie also kind of both makes up with Suge because they had an argument, it, but also makes up with Albert, also known as the Mr. And at right at the end, in like sort of the last chapter when everything comes together, it's like, yes, these are my, this is my sister Nettie. These are my children. And this is Suge. And this is Albert. And Albert is like, yeah, I guess you're actually cool after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it ends. You. And I guess it's a happy ending compared to, you know, the unrelenting bleak disparity of the rest of the story. And she got that pants money. So, you know, that's that's pretty sweet. So with all that pants money, you're just saying that overalls <laughs> She hasn't branched out to there yet. Things were okay. <laughs> uh yeah. So did you did you like it? It was fine. I I I don't see honest. I I honestly don't see why this is a very famous book. <laughs> I thought it was okay. I thought it got kind of convoluted and kind of ridiculous at the end. It did jump its own shark a little bit towards the end, right? Like all the care, everything works out for the best. Like the oh we. We didn't even know we inherited money ending seems kind of lame to me, you know? But maybe the point was to show something about how many black people have been disinherited or taking their whatever wealth they could have accumulated from them. And No, are... I mean, it may be that, but my version had a thing in the forward. But before we get to that... Uh, oh, I didn't read that. Didn't have how, much, how, much, how much did you love it, Nate? Okay, well... It wasn't, I mean, it's relentlessly depressing to read. <laughs> so, like, did I enjoy reading it? No. I, it's a book I've heard of, but I had no idea what it was about. But now, and then it opened with a child rape on page one, and I was like, oh, oh, God. Hitting the ground running. Why did I recommend we read this book? Oh, no. they're making it into a fucking musical, or they already did, apparently, a long time ago. Um, and so I was like, uh, now, why was it famous? Well, it won the Pulitzer Prize in 1982. And for the time, this was a very, both, you know, progressive book with like many very important themes for American history. And so it was an important book. And then it was made into a movie that did really well. So that's why it's really famous. Those are the, those are, those are the main ways. Now, but it, it's the kind of book like Beloved in Like to Kill a Mockingbird where it's like, well, you know, people should read it, but it's not meant to be, it's, it, but it is relentlessly depressing to read. It's not meant to be a fun Christmas book like this we're doing. Absolutely we're not a Christmas it. book, no. <laughs> not at all. No. Um, yeah. I, I, I liked it a lot, actually. It did lose me a little at the end. And I thought the... Africa part dragged a little bit. I thought it was a nice change of pace, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to a degree, it was like, oh, this is a different interesting story. Okay. Yeah. It was just a lot of plot dump at that point in the book. I mean, like, it was oh, kind of being dumped out. onto Celie, too. She received the dump. So the way the book is written, because as an epistolary novel, everything is a letter that's that somebody's writing just to say like what happened like it's not the kind of novel where there are long like introspective parts in a lot of uh, not not a lot of uh 
narration. Yeah. Like it's almost like all plot and all dialogue. It's like the plot, this, the whole, the, every page of the novel is, hey, here's what happened to me today. And Sealy's are written heavily in jargon, I guess they would call it. I don't know what they're Dialect. Dialect, because, because she is uneducated. And, you know, it's written, you know, where you would write or the way you would speak if you were someone from 1905 or whatever and you'd never been to school. But Nettie's letters are very, you know, educated and fancily written out. But it's, so it's a different different flavor. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I, I liked most of it. I didn't I, dislike it. I just I, it was okay. I yeah, think, you know, definitely the historical part of the book. Like when it came out, I get all that. But to a person reading it today, uh, I would read a book just about Sophia. <laughs> She was a lot of fun. Uh, that's that's the memoir they made me fight my uncles. <laughs> they, made, they really did. <laughs> By Sophia. Yeah, I would absolutely read that. That's got some crazy shit in it. Um, so in the forward of the book, the version I had, the first thing she writes is, whatever else the color purple has been taken for during the year since its publication, she wrote this after the fact, I guess, it remains for me the theological work examining the journey from the religious back to the spiritual that I spent much of my adult life prior to writing it seeking to avoid. What? Yeah, right? So yeah, my uh, edition, meaning the audiobook, also had that in it. Did she read it? I guess she got, she's so, still alive, right? Uh, so uh, she Alice Walker alive. did actually read the audiobook, so... Mm. And, and that's the preface, yeah. It was something about... there. Okay, so the part where Suge is talking about God, that, like, speech where she uses the term the color purple, and she and Suge is saying something like... God is not some old white man. You know, God, yeah, God is not some old white man. God is the trees. It's the earth. It's, like... Everything. Yeah, um, yeah it's everything, and that this is where happiness comes from. It's the joy of nature it is which is different than saying and she says something like you know when you go to church people don't go to church she says something like i'm gonna miss up i'm gonna mess up the uh quote but like people don't go to church to find god people bring god to church and to like celebrate and that god isn't just you uh i don't even know how to finish god isn't some like one old dude who's controlling everything. God is everything all around us, and don't think of it as some one unit of like force, you know, doing things to us or for us. It's it is everything, which is you know certainly more new agey than most folks would have believed in the 1900s. I wouldn't have gotten that from this book. If no. she hadn't written it in that the forward. That was like a couple pages, though. The rest of the book I thought was really all about. Well, at the end, she's like, no in America longer... and sexuality, you know, the other obvious themes. All, all of her letters, or, you know, letters slash prayers or something, I don't know, were like, Dear God, this is what happened. And then at the end, it's like, It's no longer Dear God. It's like, To whom it may concern, or whatever the fuck, you know. To Nettie. Yeah, to Nettie, or, or not God, or ungod, you know, it's. It's like to the universe, but it's uh, it was not the part I would have noticed the most. The Certainly. only reason I remember that at all is because it says the title of the book in that passage. And yeah, she says it. She says the color twice purple near the beginning, also where she like knows like the color purple in a field, and she like sees that, and then kind of like spell it out at the end. But she she brings up the color purple a lot. But you know, God is everywhere because purple dye is very expensive. You have to make it from lobster assholes or something. I don't know. The Murex. Uh, <laughs> lobster assholes. That the quote, shells of snails or sh- snails buttholes or something like that. The, the Murex. It's a snail. Yeah. The, the, um, the Phoenicians did it, man. Uh, and that's how they became wealthy and formed a thassalocracy. Is that the word? Anyway, the, uh, that quote, I'm still trying to understand it, that word salad quote about spirituality. She's saying, I wrote this because it's a, it's for me, this is my journey from being like a normal, you know, probably Christian, God-fearing woman to something more 
what people now call spirituality, which when they don't want to say like, I'm an atheist, or like, I don't believe in God. It's like, no, I'm more spiritual, which doesn't mean anything really. It's just when they don't know what to say. Uh, I don't know if that's it's true. Way of saying like, I no longer believe in this. It's, I've arrived at like, there's something there, but it's not just this concept of one God. It's everything. And that's how she wrote this book to be about that tangentially or, you know, you know, metaphorically. I don't fucking know the adverb. But some some people could be when they say spiritual. Maybe they just mean uh, ghost disor- disorganized religion. <laughs> it's like, I mean, to, for some of them, yes, that we is worship that, on all like every occasional Tuesday. <laughs> or you know, they just believe in right. God, but they don't go to some. They don't believe in you know the church as a concept, which is certainly fair. Whatever you want to do, do your thing. So they're Unitarians. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I just think of that. You know, it makes me think of, you'll remember this, Jimmy, the quote from the guy in Fishbone about his tattoo on his head. The sperm of intellectuality? Yeah, the sperm on my head impregnates other fetuses of intellectuality. <laughs> that's, that's all I could think. When you, like, that's what that quote sounded like. Oh, sure. I saw okay. Fishbone like a month ago. Did he still have the jizz tattoo on his head? Uh, he wore a hat. I couldn't tell. Uh, did he? <laughs> It was a a condom. It's a thought. I did tell everybody there, like that guy has a sperm tattoo on his head. They're like, "What?" Like, yeah, the sperm of intellectuality. They're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, I don't know. That's what he said, man. I don't. You have to let him jizz into your brain to really understand it. (laughs) Yeah, getting knowledge. Um, So okay, maybe the book is all about that. Then I think uh, I did a bad job reading. I don't know if it's. I I don't know if it's all about that. I'm sure. I'm, I'm certain that there's about many a thing. But like she said, this this book was her journey through her own spiritual growth. I mean, that was a big realization, roughly two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through the book. But the problem is, that's not what most of the book seemed to be about. Uh, yeah, I think it's just like, since this book is about the plight of being black in the 1900s, early South. Being and, a woman you know, on top of it. Spousal abuse, being a woman. There was so much other, like, way more prominent stuff in this book and, like, in culture and still is that saying, no, it was about the fifth thing. You're like, oh, okay, sure. I'm sure it was about all these things. But for her, she said, eh, this is, for me, this is what it's about. And, you know, as the author, she has every right to say, this is what it's about for me, maybe not for you. That's cool. That's what books do. Did you guys see this? There was a thing on the internet. So it was like some kid wrote up like 70 authors, like do authors put symbolism into their works? Like all these symbols about like, this is really about, you know, this thing. And most of them write back like, no, I believe it. I think that was a fucking it's myth. Like, Ayn Rand wrote, by... do your own work, bitch. She would, she would say that. Yeah. It's like, I am doing the work. I have to ask you to do the work. <laughs> You will have to pay me to explain my symbols because I am engaged. <laughs> we are not engaging in a free creation of contract <laughs> contracts here. <laughs> I would not ask anyone to lay down their life for me, and I would not expect to lay down my life for them by telling them the you know magic mojo of my twelve hundred page boring books. Trains. Um, <laughs> it's, that's 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 basically it. So, yeah. So that's trains what and loose women is what Ayn Rand writes about. This is easy top album. That oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think it's the album that had Tush on it. <laughs> well, there's another train version, Caboose. <laughs> but but I think I don't. I, I I bet I really do think that a lot of that is a uh, uh, literary scholarship is, is English teachers, English teacher types. I'm like that's got to mean something, right? Oh, absolutely. If it doesn't, I have nothing to write about in my academic papers, so it has to mean something. Did you guys see, uh, Nate, I'm sure you didn't, but I'm going to ask anyway. Did you guys see Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School? With the Triple Lindy? The Triple Lindy, yes. <laughs> yeah, of course mm, you I've know seen what? it. I've seen at least part of it on Comedy Central, I think okay. a long time ago. <laughs> well, for those of us listening that don't know this uh, masterpiece of cinema, this 42-year-old uh, shitty rich, movie. Rich, he's like a rich uh, businessman who goes back to college because his son isn't going to college good. He's like, I'll go back to college too. Oh, we'll do it together. You know, shit like that. Gotta respect uh, the educational process. (laughs) And so, but he, you know, he's a rich guy. So he gets Kurt Vonnegut to write 
He hires Kurt Vonnegut to write his paper for English class about Kurt Vonnegut's work, and the, the teacher gives it a bad grade. <laughs> He's like, clearly he was saying these things. He said, and Kurt Vonnegut was like, no, I fucking wasn't. That's a very Vonnegut thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the symbolism of this, I, mean, I don't know if it was rife with symbolism. There wasn't. It was pretty straightforward in terms of themes, but... I don't know. Symbolism is always kind of bullshit to me. But you know, this though, book is, a, is an American I, classic. As much as I make fun of teachers for saying that shit, I think some authors are definitely doing that. Some like, do, certainly. And I think that there is a certain... Some have been tricked into doing that because <laughs> they think they're supposed to. Well, that's because they have been learning from other books for the last couple centuries, yeah. right? I think it's, it is a certainly uh, okay whether or not it's really there to take what you can or want to from a book, even if it might not be intended, if you see it a certain way, that's fine. As long as you're not making shit up, like that's like clearly the opposite of what they intended. Like, but if you're getting stuff that speaks to you in a way, you do you, homie, whatever. I'm not going to judge. Yerp. Well, who should read this then? This classic, as you say. I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely a, it's a good book. Um, I think if like you're into stuff like Beloved, uh, you already you're a read Tony this. Morrison fan. <laughs> it can't hurt to throw this one on there. Uh, if you're into like American history stuff, maybe, or African American experience books, certainly. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say there's people who shouldn't read it. Yeah, I agree. And it's short too. It's not. It's not a hard. It's not a difficult book or a long book. Mm-mm. And it is enjoyable as much as you know. Book, but some bleak shit can be enjoyable. I didn't yeah. mind reading it after so many shitty books we've done lately. This is one I actually kind of enjoyed, even though I just I just don't think I don't see why it's so revered. But I I know. don't know that it won the Pulitzer. And the National Book Award, I believe. That's a big award. It's almost international. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty damn big. (laughs) All right. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, DrunkGuysBC. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at DrunkGuysBookClub. And we never mentioned that Patreon because we were drunk. (laughs) Go to (laughs) Patreon.com slash DrunkGuysBookClub and support the podcast. And you can also find us on Goodreads and Read Goods and Reads are good. And Reads. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.